Time now for the Aggie Guys Sports Spectacular with your hosts, Larry Smith, Brad Sturdy, and Mike Keglin. And the red light goes on. We're on the air. Larry Smith, Brad Sturdy, Mike Kegley. Glad you're with us here. Uh, for the Aggies, guys, Sports Spectacular, we've got a lot coming up. Our insider is going to give us uh, his inside thoughts here coming up in a few minutes, a bit later in the show. Uh, some of the other headlines to discuss as well, and we'll talk about uh, Texas A&M right now. Let's start with the, the game last week uh, at Miami and a chance to kind of come out against a, a major opponent trying to make some moves in the ACC. Um, and this was one, look, the Van Dyke kid was outstanding for them, right? Five touchdown passes. Um, but this was a lost boy that Jim Jimbo Fisher and Texas A&M really needed to get on the road. And uh, and it seemed had it in place and let it slip away. Yeah, this is uh, this was a Miami's played really well. And they're kind of one of those surprise teams right now in college football. You look at this win because they didn't just win. I mean, they they put a, a thumping on the Aggies. But I do think Texas A&M has they have a ton of talent. It's just talent that's still they're still young and still trying to grow and I, I think they're gonna get there you just when you look at this before they get to their bye week and you still have you know this week obviously Louisiana Monroe but you look at their upcoming schedule it's it's gonna be tough for those guys to be are they gonna be mature enough when they play Alabama or go to Tennessee or whatever um down the road it, it's a it's they got a tough setup um they really needed to win that Miami game um but but they didn't so now you got to write the ship how do young guys handle failure I think will be the test for Jimbo Fisher here. This is going to test him as a coach because you've got a team here that is is fragile. Yeah, you know Louisiana Monroe they're going to, they're going to win that. Auburn looked bad against Cal, so that puts you into to Arkansas, which you know again a good quarterback down there, and then you run into Alabama and Tennessee in consecutive weeks. You don't want to look ahead, but boy, Jimbo's got to get his team to take care of business. You can't have a game like Miami where you go to a team that plays in front of a crowd that's usually dead because the the stadium's nowhere near the the campus and and play that poorly. It, it bodes poorly for the for the future when you're when you got to go to SEC schools on the road. There's a lot for Jimbo to work on. Expectations are very high, and people don't really want to wait. I think we all know here as hosts on this show, you don't win a ton with freshmen and sophomores in college football. It's not college basketball, and he's got to manage expectations against how old his team is. Yeah, past 17 games for Fisher, 7-10 and 10 overall, just 2-8. and eight. In the SEC, his overall record, by the way, 40 and 22. But those are not uh, good numbers at all. And keep in mind, last season in week two, um, uh, it was uh, uh, Louisiana Monroe, by the way, last year. Um, I'm sorry, last year, last season in week two, it was Appalachian State, the Sun Belt champion, coming in and beating the Aggies 17 14. This week, it's Louisiana Monroe uh, coming in. And so, but again, the Aggies, huge 36.5 uh, point favorites in this one. So, um, but boy, you can't overlook that. You've got to stay focused on the task at hand. 
Jimbo Fisher talking about the the loss, 48-33 to Miami last week, but also trying to put that behind them and look ahead to the Warhawks and beyond. Since you've, you've changed some of your own coaching duties, how much uh, input do you put uh, uh, in a week do you, do you give to the defense? Yeah, we talk about what they do defensively quite a bit. Watch film, watch that. I got them watching all their offensive film of ULM, things, ideas, things I think give them problem, all that. We do it all the time, and and, religiously. And what would be your evaluation of the job that DJ's do, uh, Durkin is doing? Did a good job right now. We played the run extremely well, played a great first game. We give up a couple deep ball passes, and we got to get a little more pressure. But DJ's a very good coach. He does a good job and knows what he's doing. Go back behind the lights on the left, Coach. <clears throat> Jimbo, how, how important is it, you know, confidence-wise for the team for coming up against ULM at home to, to dominate this game defensively, just to, for them to have that kind of bounce well, back? I think you got to play well. I mean, you're dominating. You, you want to dominate every time you play, and every time you go out there as a competitor. That's the I and win. you got to dominate your position and, and do it collectively as a unit, and that always helps confidence, but you got to prepare well to be able to go dominate. Don't worry about dominating and, and playing well until we practice well and continue to do the things in practice that allow us to, to hopefully – dominate a game you say dominate a game this team's a good team now we don't want to you want to dominate everybody you play but that that can be tough at times okay anything else Tyler? go ahead chip jimbo you've had really good teams that have lost a game early and you probably mm -hmm. had not so good teams that have lost a game early what's the difference that you see with those teams and, and what does it take to overcome that maturity and recognition of what the problems were and accepting them and then correcting them you know, what I mean, usually it's self-evaluation that, you know, you don't point, point in fingers, you don't panic. You look at why it happened, why it didn't happen, why it did happen, and make sure you fix those things and take them to the practice field then take them to the game field and, and what you're trying to do. And I think the maturity of our team, I think, did enroll, like after the game. I mean, I, we were upset, guys were upset, but they handled it well. They handled it maturely. And I think they've been back asking questions and there was nobody missed yesterday. Nobody did anything yesterday. They were on time. They did what they're supposed to do. When they're supposed to do it, they're, they're up there watching film. They're studying. And, you know, from their demeanor and their, and their approach, I think they're doing a really good job of that. Staying back behind the lights on the right, Ben. Coach, you mentioned, uh, you know, trying to get better at tackling in space. Curious, you know, in terms of physical reps and what you can do. I know you can't take the guys to the ground every single playing practice. No, we do, do you, how do you address that midseason? We, we, you, you set angles up. You set backs. You got drills where they're, they're closing. I mean, it's stud hit on the rise, you make them wrap up and wrap their arms and lift guys. I mean, you may not dump them and drive them, but you still hit in what I call thud and wrap up. You know what I mean? And we'll do we'll do open field tackling drills. We'll do drills where you're engaging in a blocker like in space and engage off, you know what I mean, and, and set leverages a couple times. And a couple times that's what happened too in that we set some leverages that we didn't – we need to uh, – where our help was coming from and we both got in the same gap. You know what I mean? Even out wide you can do that. So you'll do drills like that and get them running, make them step, and, but still thud and hit and wrap just like you're tackling. And then uh, just in terms of getting the plays in on, on Saturday, you know, I know that you had the one drive, you had to call timeout twice, mm -hmm. a couple false starts. Did you notice, was there any common thread in terms of the communication or, or the confusion? That no, they just, I mean, getting a signal, just they missed signals sometimes on the road, just didn't see it, didn't get it clean, and got to get the call. You know what I'm saying? And we got to get it in cleaner from the sideline, and they got to see it and recognize it and get it called and get going. It's like I say, sometimes you're on the road, those things, on those first road games, you don't ever, it's not an excuse because you're going to play on the road all year long, but Sometimes you just you get in the comfort zone, you know, from where you're going. And that we got first drive, we had a couple timeouts. You're exactly right. Front row on the left, Cease. Jimbo, since every team's different, how's this team about going to be able to handle the noise outside? You always talk about the noise outside. Well, I hope I hope they clutter. I hope they eliminate it and clutter. Like I say, turn social media off. And I don't mean that as I always do. And I mean I 
I think you have to. I mean, and it's no offense whether you're doing, I think you should turn it off whether you do well or do good or poorly. Don't listen to any of it because it all, nothing matters except what you do. And, and, but that's not the world. And hopefully they can do that. And we tell them that and do it. And hopefully they'll be able to deal with it. But I'm sure some will read it. That's seem just like, the world we're in. Seemed like your opener, your cornerbacks played well. How did you grade I'm sorry? Your, your cornerbacks. It seemed like the first game they played well. How did you grade them against Miami? No, I mean, we gave up a couple big plays. I mean, Chappelle was pretty good in the game. I thought Chappelle played well in the game. I mean, made some good plays, played well. We got we got beat on a double move and we got, got an interference on the other. And a couple guys gave up plays in one-on-one situations. So we got to do a better job technique and staying in there and, and just not panicking and playing the ball at the point of attack. You know what I mean? Don't play through the guy, play through the arms and not – not grab or, or touch. And, and, but also we got to get a little more pressure to make that ball come out a little quicker. You're not guarding it quite as long. It's a combination. A row on the left Carter and then battalion right next to him. on the, on the pressure when, when you guys aren't getting as much, mm-hmm. does it change what you like? Does it make you want to change what you're doing or is it a matter of just executing better? It'll change what you're doing. You either bring a pressure. You guys, guys, guys can rush or not. And then you change coverages. You'll change stunts. You'll change blitzes. I mean, there's different ways to what you're doing and how you're doing it. And, and, what, and changing it in what way? What do you mean? Just sending more looks or... Yeah, you'll, you'll try to create up. more. Maybe this would try to create more looks, try to create some more one-on-ones or get different guys one-on-one or try to find the guy on off I mean, you know, where you can expose. But what they did a good job of in the game, I'll give them credit, with they slid and had some seven-man and some bump protections and then had us in man coverage at the time. Yeah, I mean, I think you you have to you have to flush that and you move on. I mean, you know... I don't think, you know, Texas A&M has a long way to go to get to where they expect to be in the college football world. You know, um, just a few years ago, they were finished number four in the polls. And so this is a team that, you know, the expectations and they've recruited really well the last couple of years. But, man, they've got a they got to right ship. I, I don't know that they can handle another. Um, he's got the, they got the right mindset. I mean. But I don't think they handled their five and seven season for Jimbo. I mean, I just don't think that'll cut it. And, and the weird part about it is, you know, outside his last season at Florida State, he, you know, he won nine or ten games or more every year. And so it's been a while. You know, you you almost have the expectation. You wonder what's going wrong for them to start losing all of a sudden the last couple of years. And yeah, I get the SEC, but I mean, there's more to it than that. And in some schools, you can you can win seven or eight games and get by. I'm just not certain with the expectations and the investments that the Texas A&M boosters and fans have put into Jimbo that that winning seven or eight games is going to be good enough. I think he's got to get into double digits before the fans will say, "Okay, you know, you're you're worth our money." It's going to be a challenge for him to manage those expectations as a longtime sales guy. The worst thing in the world was when people, you know, your customers had higher expectations than what your product could deliver. And right now, that's where Jimbo is stuck, where he's delivering sixes, sevens, and eights, and people are expecting nine, tens, and elevens. (laughs) Oh, okay. (laughs) <laughs> I felt like I was crapping out right there in a <laughs> Yep. <sighs> All right. So AM uh against Louisiana Monroe. Um you know, put yourself in, in Jimbo's shoes uh, this week and um you know give me some details and you know some some pointers. Mike, you touched on a little bit um of how you not just get this look, it's not about just getting the win, it's about also making sure that you put everything in, in the right place. 
um, to make some noise. You just saw the big bad Alabama Crimson Tide. They lose. Um, so, you know, you feel maybe they're vulnerable. What do you do to put this team on the level of Alabama, of, of LSU, um, of the other, of Ole Miss, you know, the other teams in the Western division that are, are, are ranked and, and doing well. Well, I mean, you know, they, they started on the right thing. They have the right ideas that they're recruiting. Well, you know, they've got some of the top recruiting classes in the country and that's what you want to have. But at the same time, I think sometimes you got to fit those pieces together too. I mean, cause if you've got, you know, three, five star wide receivers, that's great, but maybe you can't play all three of them at the same time and it makes your class higher. So they got to find the right pieces. They got to, I, I think they're, they have to get better on defense um, than that, um, than they were against Miami. They, they looked overmatched. Miami just looked faster. They looked more explosive. And so they weren't, but I think some of that, when you look at their talent, it shouldn't be that slow. I think it's a matter of, they don't know what they're doing yet. I think they're young. I think they're figuring it out. So I think just natural coaching week to week, he's got to embrace the fact that they're going to grow and, and understand that. The problem is that the people on the outside don't understand it, that it takes time. Yeah, I think as a coach, you you really want to get your players to to not worry about, you know, hitting the home run, just making contact if you want to go into baseball. And you've got to have the fundamentals. The football is a game of blocking and tackling. So you focus on the fundamentals, not on the statistics. I just the problem is is that people looked at that recruiting class last year and wanted to give Texas A&M a top 10 ranking. And you just don't win games with a freshman class in, in football. You have to have patience and know that's about a three-year, you know, line of sight down the road. And I just don't think the fans are are looking for that right now. You know, it's another uh, issue the Aggies have had to deal with this week, and that's uh, the team's sack leader arrested on Monday, uh, defensive lineman Shamar Turner, uh, on suspicious of reckless driving. Uh, he was later released, but again, yet another distraction, right, for a team trying to do the right things and trying to um, to turn a quarter, make something happen. Um, you know, of course, again, we've we've talked about you know, Jimbo Fisher, the massive contract. You know, his seat is hot. I think everyone would say that um, he's under scrutiny here. Um, because uh, his his campaign, his tenure, uh, you know, has not been what everyone thought and hoped it would be. But seventy seven million dollars left on his contract, and it's funny he had some advice for people um, who were concerned about just trying to block out the noise. And he just his, he was very honest. He just said, "Turn social media off." Doesn't want to hear from the fans. Doesn't want to hear from the critics. Um, and I think that's probably pretty good advice at this point. I mean, that's the only advice you can have right now because it's good. It's no matter what you do, if you don't win enough football games, it do, doesn't matter. That's just the, that's the reality of the situation. When when he was paid the money he was paid to take over the Texas A and M job and and started in 2018, nobody expected that by the 2023 season he would not have won double digit games. That's a rough place to be. Yeah, this is true. Hey, the conversation continues. Quick time out right now and uh, some more headlines. And then back to this game. Aggies versus Louisiana Monroe uh, on Saturday. Coming up here on the Sports Spectacular.
Packages start at $29.99 a month with signed agreement. Restrictions apply. Speak to a representative for complete offer details. See Vivint.com for license details. Terms and conditions apply. Homeowners, if you're looking for the best in home security and smart home technology at a price you can actually afford, we have great news. Now you can get Vivint's award-winning home security systems starting at about a dollar a day. U.S. News & World Report has recognized Vivint as the best professionally installed home security system of 2022. And right now, you can get Vivint's home security technology for about a dollar a day. Plus, get free professional installation from a licensed technician. Protect your home and loved ones for as low as a dollar a day. Call right now for your free home security consultation. 800-613-8053. 800-613-8053. That's 800-613-8053. Uh, back here on the show, let's talk a little, uh, continue now with college football. The SEC, fellas, uh, two weeks into the season, um, we don't see this very often. The SEC, three and six versus power five opponents in 2023. We were joking in the break, um, usually don't see the SEC play that many teams in the, <laughs> the first couple of weeks. So uh, so there you, there you go. Well, yeah, Alabama didn't play Eastern Alabama State, so... They had to play Texas a little tougher, but no, I, I think that it's level of competition. I mean, when you play, you know, Alabama playing Texas, Texas is very good. Um, yeah. And I, I think Alabama is still trying to feel things through with their new quarterback. And so, you know, that that's probably the, the biggest marquee game. And then you look at, you know, Texas A&M playing Miami, right? I mean, th these are tough games that you come into. And so yeah, it's, it's okay. I mean, that, that, but that's what makes it fun. I was just thinking before we, before we came on air, I was thinking like, like, what do you do now? You get through Monday, and then, like, what is the purpose of Tuesday and Wednesday when there's no football? There's no <laughs> NFL. There's no college. There's nothing. What do we do during those days? <laughs> I'm just totally lost now. I don't know. Well, Brad, when when in doubt, eat. That's pretty much my. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty much my theory on everything. Um, you know, I, I think the big winners in the in the SEC having a bad record are the sports fans, uh, college football fans who get to watch the games. I mean, what a fantastic game that was to watch. And I thought both teams acquitted themselves pretty well. At the same time, it's so unusual to see a team go in and beat Alabama at home. And the big winner was us as sports fans getting to watch and enter, enter and enter, you know, be entertained by that, especially before on the weekend that the NFL started. It was great to have some good games on Saturday. No, I totally agree. Um, that was outstanding. And in fact, um, you know, it was amazing getting into we saw the TV ratings later on Colorado, Nebraska, a bigger TV audience than Alabama, Texas. So talk about like, you know, get on your knees and repent. I mean, really? Are you kidding me? I mean, it's, you know, but again, the power of Dion, fellas, as we kind of shift gears here, um, we said last week that, again, they're the school brass looks like geniuses bringing them in. And here we are, you know, they're 2-0 and and Fox changing their pregame kickoff show to Champaign to see Penn State, Illinois, staying out in Boulder, even though that's an ESPN game that night they'll be promoting. 
Yeah, it's pretty wild. I thought that was intriguing. But then I looked at the ratings, and the actual Colorado-Nebraska game had more viewers than Texas-Alabama. Yeah. Think about that. I mean, these are two blue bloods. That's how Deion Sanders moving the needle prime time. He's moved the needle, and he's made it fun to to watch with he's him coaching. You want to see what's going to happen, and I know, and they're good. They're a good team, and they're fun. They, they do some great things. His, his son's a great quarterback, so yeah, I, I think that it makes sense. But this is you want as a TV. What do they want? They want viewers. Dion brings viewers. Yeah, it, it's hard to try to dispute what Dion brings with his personality and his. Q rating and you know the the famous uh, reputation that he's built over 25 years 30 years I also think before we make him the greatest coach in the history of college football let's wait for more than two games into the, <laughs> his first season yeah. at a power five school yeah, yeah I, and Mike I would say I, I'm not I think it's more about the fact that people want to watch I mean before I mean that's I don't know if it's about his I don't know if he's a great coach or not I think he does fine but I think it's he's interesting. Yeah. So I think that's the key. Yeah, he is. Uh, here's what I love is that um, his son is going to steal the spotlight from him. Um, Dion, the Klieg lights, he makes sure they're on him first. Uh, Shadur Sanders saying, no, no, Dad, my turn. Uh, I recall when he was a freshman at Jackson at, uh, at Jackson State. Um, and Dion, they, they asked the kid the question during media day, and Dion took the question. I mean, he answered himself. Get out of your kid's way. Well, Shadur Sanders is his own man. Um, and the question for you, who is um, – is Heisman race? Is it a two-way race? Sanders and last year's winner Caleb Williams, and is the Hunter kid Travis Hunter of Colorado? Is he is he a, a third man right now? Three man race at the moment. Yeah, intriguing. I I don't think anybody's beating Caleb Williams, um, but I, I do think those are both intriguing names in this Heisman race. We'll have to see what what plays out. Uh, you know, somebody else could have a you know big run here too. But I, I think winning is going to be key. If Colorado wins a lot, ten and two to twelve and zero, something like that. They're right there in the hunt. Well, and I, I think the you know both both Sanders and Hunter will have an opportunity to win some big awards. Colorado has six ranked teams left on their schedule. If they can go through that, even four and two, that will be pretty darn impressive. The one thing with Caleb Williams is the Tim Tebow effect. It's so hard to win back to back because you're comparing, you know, the media is going to compare you against yourself from last year, and if you don't have better stats, right? If you don't do, and you know not to get into it again, but Tebow, a lot of the numbers were manufactured as a sophomore that weren't manufactured as a junior because Urban Meyer had a better team. So, but, um, but it's fun to talk about it. Colorado and the Heisman conversation, Colorado as a destination for the media that hasn't happened in, in a really long time. I mean, look, even locally, the, the local TV people were wearing black and gold on Friday, not Broncos, orange and blue on opening weekend with Sean Payton as your first, first year, first game as a head coach. Right. So, I mean, <laughs> You know, the, the Dion, listen, he's taking the spotlight from a lot of people right now and uh, and even from the moment from USC. But again, we will uh, we'll watch. OK, more to come. Stay with us. Go Raiders, by the way. How is your car payment treating you? What if I told you you could make a free phone call right now and reduce your car payment by as much as eighty three dollars a month? Look at your car payment closely. You could be paying as high as 20 percent interest. Rate Genius can help you reduce your car payments by reducing your interest rate to as low as 2.48% APR. We can refinance most existing car loans or leased cars, new or used, and save you money every month. Put more money back in your pocket. The call is free to find out how low we can lower your car payment. 
Five minutes of your time right now could save you hundreds of dollars a year. Call Rate Genius now. 800-425-1161. 800-425-1161. That's 800-425-1161. Not all applicants qualify for a loan or rate savings. Actual offer terms, including APR, are determined at the time of your application based on creditworthiness, value of the vehicle, loan term, and other factors. How would you like to get high-speed internet for your home for less than $2 a day? That's right. For about 50 bucks a month, you'll get lightning fast internet. Are you paying less than 50 bucks a month right now for your internet? Then call Whole Home Connect right now for blazing fast internet at 50 bucks a month with no price increases, no hidden fees, no contracts, no upfront costs, no equipment fees. It's a great deal. And guess what? You can try it for 15 days. If you don't like it, you get your money back. But you're gonna love it. And you're gonna love the price. Internet for your home for 50 bucks a month. That's less than two bucks a day. Plus, no contracts, no upfront costs, no equipment fees, and our 15-day guarantee. Call now. 800-215-0341. 800-215-0341. 800 That's 800-215-0341. You're listening to the Aggie Guys Radio Network. Thank you so much for joining us on the Aggie Guys Sports Spectacular. This is Mike Kegley, and we are talking to, right now, uh, Bryan College Station Eagle, the local paper of record. We're talking to Robert Cessna, who covers Texas A&M. Robert, thanks for coming on today. We appreciate having you here. Hey, no problem. We're finally getting a little Florida weather. We actually got a little little rain today for like the first time in about three months. I, I didn't even know what an umbrella was until today. Well, I totally understand there's clouds in the sky and people didn't know what clouds were after the last three weeks of 100 degree weather. So question for you, you know, the, the, the one that we're hearing all the time is that there are issues. We're going to have to take a look. Is Jimbo, is he in danger? It seems crazy to me that with the dollars that are left on his contract, and, and you can't go back in time to change that, that anybody would even consider um, making a change. Well, what are you hearing You know, when you hear people talk like this, which to me sounds like a little bit crazy talk? Well, it's a little bit, it's amazing when people talk when they're spending other people's money. Uh, if my <laughs> wife would give me a bigger allowance, you know, I'd be able to, to lose a lot more when I go play cards or what have you. But the reality of it is, uh, I'm a sports writer. I can only spend so much. And while the fans are upset and say, oh, we got to have changes, you have to do all this. The people that pay the bills decided to give Jimbo, first of all, a 10-year contract and then go ahead and give him an extension. So when you, you look at all that, when you look at it, be basically 88 million, 87 million after this season to get rid of him. Then you think about all the assistance salaries. Then the number one question is, who would you get to replace him? So you look at all those things now, hey, if they could find, uh, say, Deion Sanders is coming tomorrow or what have you. And I always say in this business, we learn never say never but I always have some things I say, always say is follow the money and coaching and talent matter. Now, following the money, 
I would think, you know, they're not going to pay that money now. Does I think a, another scenario might be is if Jimbo goes eight and five, do you really want to stick around the Titanic for the last song, so to speak, or whatever? <laughs> if you had a chance to get get off there, you're going to it. And, and look at the talent. This is not the Titanic, but at a certain point, you say like, hey, you know, I think all coaches want to be loved. And right now, there's not a lot of love at Texas A&M for the last couple of years. And now it's going on the third year. But we all know that can change in about three weeks if you win three games. Yeah, and, and that's, I think, the part that fans tend to tend to forget a little bit. Although, you know, playing in the SEC makes that harder than any conference to go ahead and get on a winning streak like that. The, the, the question that, that I would have is, you know, you had LSU get tripped up by a very tough Florida State team that's currently ranked number three. Alabama got upset in probably bigger fashion than the score because it was a home game by Texas, who's currently ranked number four. Um, you had A&M go in and get beat by a Miami team that has just you know, come into the rankings with a 22 ranking this week. And it was at a home stadium that's that's not exactly a home field advantage with being so far away from the campus. Were you surprised by the, the way this game went and and maybe the best described is just lack of effectiveness of the AM team? Well, I was kind of surprised that uh how it went considering AM jumped out to such a good start. You know, they had a you know. When you have a 10-0 lead, a 17-7 lead, you're on the road. As, as you said, 49,000 fans uh, doing a little sunning is not like being in Death Valley or Alabama. But that being said is I thought A&M would win that game. I thought it would be a pretty close game. Uh, when you look at what A&M did offensively, not too bad except for they couldn't handle the blitz. Uh, so getting back to it's just one game. I think Miami's a lot better than they were last year. I think AM has the potential to be a lot better than what they were. I pick them to go nine, I picked them to go nine and four if you look in print, as they say. And I still think nine and four is possible when you look at the state of the SEC. But you know, you're only as good as your last game. And I had a laugh. What if AM would have won that game? Oh my gosh. So they they climb up to like 20 or 19th and look at the SEC. I'd be writing this week about oh, can AM get to the college football playoff? I mean, what what do they need to do? Because Alabama's coming here. Uh, you know, like you said, LSU's very beatable. Uh, they got a lot of very favorable schedule. But you know, so now this they still have a chance to win at least nine games. Now, like I said before, we start this eight. It's not going to get it done. <clears throat> I think. Look at Miami; they're a nine win win season team. Now, let's remember last year at this time, A and M beats uh, <clears throat> Miami and Arkansas after the disappointing loss. Beat two ranked teams. Oh, they turned the corner. No, they didn't. So, if I was Miami, I'd be a little bit cautious. You're only, as, like I said, you're only as good as your next few games. So. You, if AM would have played nobody, they'd have won, but they played somebody and they lost. They were out coached without a doubt. They had a lead, they lost. Uh, you're supposed to be from the mighty SEC. So a lot a, a lot of negative, negative points, so to speak. But I still see pluses. 
moving forward. They got a quarterback. He made some tremendous throw throws under pressure. They got good wide receivers. Question in the offensive line. Question on defense. And those were questions we kind of had going into the season for that team. So what does the the Aggie defense have to do to get better? You know, the secondary gave up five touchdown passes and one is quick to defend at least partially the secondary to say, you know, if they didn't have time to throw, those touchdown passes wouldn't have happened. But what do you anticipate will be changed or worked on to improve that defense? Well, when you look at coaching, Jimbo touched on the fact is some of it's on Wegman. Obviously, he didn't get to his checkdowns quick enough. He didn't switch the line to see what where Miami had overloaded. That being said, AM's cornerbacks certainly didn't have a good game. Uh, safeties obviously weren't helping out on double teams, but you know, Miami had three guys with six, at least six oh. catches. And AM went in thinking they had one of the better receiving cores in the country. And with Evan Stewart, uh, the way he's come on, he's definitely, a, you know, a, a big time player. But getting back to the defense and they have all these five star linemen. Now, they did a good job running. Neither team could run the ball. So I thought that would be to A&M's advantage. But no, Van Dyke, after looking very average at Kyle Field a year ago, looked like a Heisman contender. But you don't get any pressure on him. Look at the difference. Just no pressure. Wegman was one of the most pressured uh, college quarterbacks last week AM couldn't get any pressure why is that you have the, all these five-star defense linemen they weren't bringing any kind of corner blitzes and i don't care in college football today if you give a quarterback time almost everybody has one or two wide receivers or even running backs coming out of the backfield on the wheel route or tight ends AM's got to change it up because obviously I got to give Miami's first year offensive coordinator. He seemed to be in AM's defensive uh you know huddle, know what was coming because they were getting guys wide open in the in the secondary. Yeah, that was that was a little bit of a surprise. Are there any personnel changes that might need to happen, or do you think this is more of a schematic issue? Well, I think it's more of a schematic issue with what they have. They started a freshman uh, linebacker. Yeah, he looked good against against New Mexico last year. AM was one of the worst in the country against the run, giving up giving up two hundred nine yards a time. Okay, the rush looked a lot better. They were number one against pass defense on yardage. But you know, once again, you chuckle at that. They were running so well, you don't have to pass. So this time they. Shut down to run, so to speak. Both teams want come up, wanted to go in that game wanting to run. Neither of them could run, but Miami just had a field day in the passing game. So you know, AM, that's where they have a lot of their uh, experienced players like Monty Rich Richardson. They they have quote Chappelle. They've got some people that proved that they could play last year. So what happened? I think it was uh, some some semantics. And you mentioned. Uh, we haven't talked about DJ Jerk, Jerkin. Jerkin, they want him fired. The Aggie fans want him fired right now for giving up five <laughs> touchdown passes. And that, that's just the way it goes. And if you ever look in the sidelines, you know, from what Jerkin's been through, we've only talked to him one time. One, excuse me, one, yeah, one time, two, two times, I guess it is now. But, you know, he, he smiles because he's been, you know, had a tough deal with Maryland. But, you know, Aggie fans don't like look down and see their defensive coordinator wearing this big smile when he gives up five touchdowns a game. So while Jim Jimbo gave him the proverbial vote of confidence, 
in, in Monday's press conference, Durkin's got to go out and do it on the field because, man, you just can't sit back. It, it was just like it was almost sucker punch. They took punch after punch. They, they just couldn't get off the field. You know, the other part is, is when, when you can't get off the field, the worst thing is is if you don't have an offense who can hold the the defense, the opposing defense on the field, um, having to throw for 50-plus times a game probably isn't the best recipe for success in the SEC. Is there anything they need to do to improve their running game to uh, support the young quarterback and, and maybe allow for some more success? Oh, yeah, without a doubt. They're going to be have to run the ball to some semblance. And let's be honest, they should have picked up they, – they, they had the motion penalty on fourth and inches, really, not even fourth and a half yard. Then yep. third and one, the guy tries to dance instead of just cutting up in there and getting the first down and get back to making it a close game. And instead, both those instances led to scores going the other way. And once again, is you're right. you got to help the quarterback out. you got to do some swing passes. The offensive line, man, guys, it's been a sore spot the last two years. And a lot of us wondered, A, would they change the line coach? This is the second year for their line coach. B, would they go out and get maybe a senior offensive lineman like Miami did, get somebody to come in there that you know is going to be a stud? But no, they love all their 12, what, four-star recruits, but they haven't played like four-star recruits. So a lot of scrutiny on them as well. Because I don't care how good Wegman throws, A, if, if you're not giving him a running game, like you mentioned, 50 times. How many times did that guy get hit last year? He didn't two quarterbacks hurt with yeah. that offensive line. And if they don't improve it, uh, Max Johnson will be in the game a lot quicker than the Aggies want him to be. Yeah, you know, you, you talk about that. There's there's some holes they need to fill. Is is uh is Jimbo going to have the opportunity to do better in the transfer portal in the offseason? Well, once once again, is you know, I, I hate to have overreaction. Uh, you know, what what day are we on? Wednesday, Thursday, what have you? Right. Because here's the deal: is we do not know how good Miami is. Miami might turn out to be a 10, 11 win win team. Uh, they might only get better if if Van Dyke can throw the ball that accurately. And I think they'll probably run the ball better moving forward because they couldn't run the ball very much against A&M. So once again is they play Auburn, Arkansas after they play Louisiana Monroe. The schedule sets up well. They're going to blow out Monroe this week. Are they better or else it will get hot out of Cal Field? <laughs> Auburn looked absolutely brutal against Cal. So yeah. I know SEC opener, you can't count out you freeze, but they should beat Auburn. Then that takes you to Arkansas and the rivalry game, so to speak, up in Jerry World. Concern for AM after what Van Dyke did, KJ Jefferson might be the best quarterback in the SEC. If he wouldn't have made a couple of bonehead plays last year, he beats AM. And so he he'll be out for revenge. He's a great runner. So you go ahead and he can do what Van Dyke did a little bit in the air, but he also can rush for about 120 when he gets loose against that middle of that defense that is is tough so that's a it's a good test for a&m to see where they're at that arkansas game because then you you play alabama next so if you can regroup win these next three games get four and one going into alabama which looked very beatable if 
you play like Texas did. Then I'll give you all. And A&M has a history of playing Alabama top. They, they came within one play last year. Two years ago here, they were 14-point underdog, win the ball game. So once again, is don't want to jump in the, off the boat yet. I'm not even on in the boat. I'm just on the uh, shore because I don't want to drown either way. And I'm just looking to see what happens. This is why we get paid the small bucks. It's going to be a <laughs> fun month to see what happens to A&M moving forward. Because if they are 4-1 and one going into that Alabama game, everybody is back in the boat. Everybody's feeling good. And then if you beat Alabama, oh, my gosh. Well, where would that put them? And you could say, like, that ain't going to happen, Cessna. Probably wouldn't bet, a, bet on it. But once again, I wouldn't bet against because A&M does have the talent. AM does have the talent. You see, saw the throws Wegman made, the catches Stewart made. You see the breaks they took from Miami to get 10 points given to them. If they don't settle for field goals, even, I mean, they, they settle for field goals too many times. And that gets back, you know, Bobby Petrino. I mean, he did not call as good a game as the offensive coordinator from Miami did. And, you know, what we have to chuckle is it's Power Five Conference. Cristobal's not going to put together a Walmart assistant staff. I mean, you're going to be out coach some games. Well, if I'm an A&M coach, if I'm Durkin, if I'm Petrino, I'm a little bit hot that I, I got, I got out coached a little bit. It's going to happen. It's going to happen because Petrino out coached A&M several times when he was up at Arkansas. So interesting month coming up guys. Yeah, it sounds like that. Well, folks, if you want more from Robert Cessna, you can obviously go into the Bryan College Station Eagle, read his columns there. And of course, if you're a big fan of the Aggie guys, Sports Spectacular, we'll be right back in a minute. If you're a diabetic, we have great news. You can end the painful finger sticks with a new CGM. Plus, they may be covered by Medicare, Medicaid, or private insurance. If you test and inject daily, you may qualify. Call U.S. Med now to learn more. 800-390-5160. 800-390-5160. That's 800-390-5160. What's the best way to get rid of a timeshare that you don't want? Call the Timeshare Exit Hotline. We're a group of attorneys that help customers legally exit their timeshares. It's an easy process. We guarantee results or you pay nothing. Exit your timeshare today. Call now. 800-715-6093. 800-715-6093. That's 800-715-6093. Back here to wrap things up. Let's take a look at uh, some of the bigger games on Saturday. Brad, who do you got? Tennessee, Florida. Tennessee at Florida. This is an intriguing game when you when you think about this because Florida, although they looked, um, you know, they looked really bad against Utah. And Tennessee, though, although they keep winning, have really kind of slid in the rankings. I mean, they're still they're lower than they started the season, even though two and zero and they won handily. So it's interesting. I think that this obviously it's a road game for Tennessee. Florida is a team that has talent. We know they're still Billy Napier is still filling, figuring things out. Josh Heupel seems to have a role at Tennessee, but for some reason it's this you know a six and a half point spread. Um, I 
I, Tennessee has not really been great in the passing game yet. Um, they can obviously run the ball. They're you know one of the best teams in the country running the football. So I think this is up to Florida. If Florida can slow down that running game. They have a chance to win this at home and kind of right the ship. I'm heading into what is probably the most difficult closing schedule of anybody in the country, but I, I still like Tennessee. I just think it'll be uh, a close game down to the wire. Yeah. And I I've got Colorado state visiting Colorado. What a, what a dynamo Deion Sanders has done uh, in terms of a coaching job in the first two weeks has proven that you can literally turn a roster upside down, shake out any parts that are loose like Legos and then turn it over, get some more pieces and go out and win a couple games, including beating a team that was in the national championship last year. I do think that Colorado State is outmanned and Shadur Sanders, he may have another 500-yard game. You know, we could be looking at at potentially, I don't know if he can make it to 1,500 yards in three games with his arm, but boy, is it going to be exciting. And then you also want to see what Travis Hunter is going to do because can he maintain playing as many downs as he is in the thin air uh, of of Colorado, you know, for a second game, I, I just I just think this is going to be exciting to to watch, and and the rest of the country seems to agree as nobody would have predicted. I don't care who you are, the Colorado was going to outdraw Alabama and Texas in terms of viewing eyes across this country. Still one of the craziest stats of the week, isn't it? I mean, of this early season, <clears throat> I'm with you. I mean, when you talk Tennessee, Alabama, that's the game. And uh, but it goes to show you again the power of Dion, and again the shrewdness and the now genius of the Colorado uh, <laughs> upper brass in the school and the athletic department to bring in Dion Sanders. And like you said, I'm I'm happy you mentioned Shadur Sanders and Travis Hunter because while while the eyeballs, while Dion is bringing the eyeballs. The Klieg lights should be on those guys as uh, serious Heisman frontrunners if you can be as such here in the early season. And to do it without any hype last season is huge. You have to have a setup here to win the Heisman or to be in that, have that kind of conversation. And that did not happen for these two, and yet here they are. So I think it's great, and uh, it's good for college football. Uh, why not? You know, um, Dion's going to lose. He's not going to go 12-0, um, but I'm with you. I'm the one who... I raised my hand and say I did not think he would be a huge success at Jackson State, and I'd be stunned if they win three games this season, and they could win three games this month. So tells yeah. you what I uh, – number one, Georgia, uh, getting into SEC play. The Bulldogs taking on South Carolina. Huge favorite here, 28-point favorite for UGA. They're at home at Sanford Stadium in Athens. Uh, by the way, back on CBS, the last year of that 3.30 time slot – uh, going to the SEC, we saw some Big Ten teams there as they begin to dabble in that as they take over that time slot in 2024. Uh, but why not have the the two-time defending champs uh, right there uh, waiting for you for game one for CBS? Uh, our friend David Moulton, um, you know, he'll he's uh, working that game there at Gary Danielson, his uh, spotter. Um, you know, Spencer Rattler, the star quarterback for, for South Carolina, um, offensive player of the week last week, 25 of 27, 345, three passing touchdowns and a touchdown run against Furman. Remember last year against the UGA, only 13 to 25, 118 yards, had a couple of picks as well. So a little bit different. Um, but again, Georgia is not going to look too deep into this. They're going to go out and do um, what they have to do uh, to get the win here because um, there are some much tougher games they had. 
I don't see South Carolina winning this game. I just don't see any way possible unless just something uh, crazy happens. Look for Georgia to get the big win as we expect. So, hey, that does it for now. Busy, busy show yet again. We hope you enjoy the games. We hope you've enjoyed the time together. Because guess what? We get to do it again, same time, same place, same station next week. For Brad and Mike and everyone uh, here, a part of the crew, I'm Larry. Enjoy. We'll see you next week. The preceding program is a product of Rise Above Productions and Revision Sound. Join us next week for the latest edition of the Aggie Guys Sports Spectacular. 